Well, good morning, Elevation. It's good to be with you once again in this online space. For those of you who may be checking us out for the first time, my name is Brandon, and I'm the lead pastor here in Waterloo. Well, this morning is significant on a number of levels. In one sense, our community is gathering in two different spaces this morning. As I was thinking about it, it's not the first time we've done this, actually. A few years ago, when our community was meeting at the Waterloo Rec Complex, our size got a little too big for the space we were in, and so we made the decision to move into two different services. Uh, it was not an easy decision at the time. We had questions going through our minds like, is this gonna create two different churches? Will we even see people from the other congregation? And what we realized was no, it didn't make that much of a difference. And in time, we moved into 22 Willow and we were all back together again. Right now, some of us are gathering for church in person at 22 Willow, and some of us are gathering online. And it's kind of like it was back at the rec complex. We're gathering in two, two different spaces, but we're one church. And we will continue to look forward to what God has in store for us in the weeks and months to come. Now, there's another thing that's significant about this morning. Now, most of you probably aren't aware, but this is actually Elevation's 20th birthday, or it's our 20th anniversary of being a church, however you want to put it. 20 years ago, this weekend, Elevation was born. When I think back to those early days, I have like so many memories, and most of them have to do with the place that we were meeting in as a congregation. Uh, our first home was the Turret Nightclub at Wilfrid Laurier University. And the way that it worked was that we would kind of bring all of our sound equipment up from this elevator and through this back hall into the main room. And we did this obviously on Sunday morning. Saturday night was like bar night at the turret. So as soon as we got off the elevator, we were flooded with the smell of day old empty beer bottles. And so there were a couple of things that we had to do. We had to get out the mop and we had to mop up all the sticky floors uh, so people's shoes didn't stick to the floor when they walked around. And one of my weekly tasks as the pastor of Elevation was to walk around the room with an air freshener and spray the whole room to make sure that the smell from the night before was gone by the time people showed up for church. The other funny memory I have about that first iteration of our church was our kids' ministry program. Uh, nothing like it is today. We had, I think, maybe three one-year-olds, and so what we did was we took a couple of folding tables, set them on the side, and dropped the kids in that little section, and that was where they would play for the morning during the service. So yeah, a lot has changed in 20 years, but some great memories and a reason this morning for us to celebrate God's faithfulness to us over 20 years uh, serving him as a church. The first date that we met as a community happened to be five days after September 11, 2001. And as you can imagine, that totally shaped the way that we gathered that morning. 9-11 quickly became one of those generational moments. And two decades later, we're gathering not on the other side of an event that will stick with us forever, but in the midst of a still ongoing trial that is having an unprecedented global impact. Now, my sermon on that morning was based on John chapter 11. It's the story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead, a reminder that even the worst of what life can throw at us will be swallowed up in the resurrecting power and love of Jesus, whose words continue to comfort us today. In this world, you will have trouble, Jesus said, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So as we begin the new season here, this fall at Elevation, I want us to take a look at what it is that we need now more than ever. And we're gonna start off by looking at the themes of strength and courage. Now our reading this morning begins with the briefest of obituaries by a man who may well have been the central character of the entire Bible were it not for Jesus himself. That is Moses. At the end of the first five books of the Bible, known as the Torah, the, the books of Moses, uh, we read this line. 
No one has ever shown the mighty power or, or performed the awesome deeds that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. Now, a few weeks ago, Melody had a sermon on Sunday morning that was about Moses leading the people out of slavery in Egypt and crossing the Red Sea on dry ground. It was that Moses that we're talking about. It's that Moses about whom God said in Joshua 1 verse 2, Moses, my servant, is dead. Five little words at the end of such an extraordinary life. But before the funeral sandwiches were wrapped up and put away, God addresses Moses' heir apparent, Joshua, with the words that form that we find at the start of the Old Testament book named after Joshua's aid. Get ready to cross the Jordan River. Now, the first question that we might want to ask is, how could they not be ready to cross the river? They had been wandering in this wilderness for 40 years. It had been 40 years since Moses led them across that Red Sea out of slavery, and they still weren't in the Promised Land. Was it a 40-year-long journey? Well, that's impossible. I actually had this thought. I was wondering, how long would it take to walk around the entire Earth? And I did the math, and basically, you could do it. If you walk 24 hours a day, which admittedly is a bit of an ask, uh, you could walk around the entire circumference of the Earth in just under a year. So you could walk around the entire Earth 40 times in the time that it took the Israelites to move from Egypt into the eventual Promised Land. So what went wrong? Why did it take them so long to get there? Well, we have to go back into an earlier uh, book of the Old Testament called Numbers. Numbers chapter 13, verse 1. We read that the Lord said to Moses, send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. So 12 men are chosen, one from each tribe, and they're sent off with the following instructions from chapter 13, verses 18 to 20. Go up through the Negev and onto the hill country. See what the land is like and whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they unwalled or fortified? How is the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are there trees on it or not? Do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land. Now, I don't know when the last time you went exploring was. Uh, our family spent some time at a cottage up on a lake in the last few days of summer, and Owen went exploring in a kayak one day. He got in the kayak and he paddled across the lake and he saw this tree that had fallen over and the root structure was all um, exposed. And he thought, oh, I'm gonna go check that out. But when he got closer to the shore, he saw something else that was even more interesting. And so he beached the kayak, got out, and what he saw was a giant strand of that bright yellow caution tape that was strung between two trees. And in the middle of the caution tape, there was a white plastic bag. And so he walks up to this, he's like, what on earth is going on? Is this some kind of practical joke? And then he had this idea, he's like, maybe this is some kind of treasure hunt and I have found the treasure at the end of the trail. And so he goes to this bag and he opens it up and he notices that it's filled with all these little cards. And there's something inside of each one of these cards or envelopes. And he holds them up to the sun and he starts thinking like, I wonder if it's cash. Maybe someone left a cash prize here for me. Uh, and then one of the envelopes falls to the ground and he realizes that it's different than all the others. And he's like, I was supposed to find this particular envelope, so he decides, I'm going to open it. So he goes ahead, cuts the tape out of the envelope, he pulls out an ace of clubs. What the significance of this discovery was, I don't think we'll ever know. But what I do know is the next day, I decided to go and check that place for myself. And when I got there, there was nothing to be found. So just a little woo-woo. Anyways, so I don't know when the last time you went exploring was, but these 12 men go out and they explore this potential promised land. They found such a large cluster of grapes 
that actually when they brought it back, they had to carry it on a pole in between the two of them. So it was obviously a great place. They gave Moses this account when they got back. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is the fruit. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. Now it's important for us to remember that God had already announced that this land would be theirs. But what the explorers saw, however, it led them to a different conclusion. Initially, they saw the benefits of this land, but then they thought, no, there's, there's no way we can make this our home. The people there are too much for us. Well, one of the 12 spies named Caleb, he speaks up. Well, we should go and take possession of the land, for certainly we can do it. It reminded me of a line from the medieval mystic Teresa of Avila. She writes, strength arising from obedience has a way of simplifying things which seem impossible. You see, Caleb had this belief that God was going to give them this victory, and so he was like, let's go do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. Maybe you can relate to these men. Most of us have at one point or another allowed other people to intimidate or to discourage us from pursuing a worthwhile goal. We've given into the belief that we couldn't possibly succeed at something so difficult. The vocal majority of the crowd, they went around spreading rumors around the camp of this land's hostility. They said things like, we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we look the same to them. I don't know, when you look in the mirror, do you see a grasshopper, not literally, but figuratively? Do you see someone who lacks the strength, the intelligence, the creativity, the experience, the faith to accomplish something extraordinary? Or do you see someone who God is practically giddy about using to make an impact in the world? I mean, do you think that God was not aware of the people in this land and how powerful they were and that the cities were fortified? Did he somehow overlook these details when he said, I'm going to give this land to you? Or was God ready to fulfill his promises regardless of the challenges that lie ahead? Well, for the Israelites, unfortunately, the result was an aborted mission and an announcement from God that no one from that entire generation, save Joshua and Caleb, would enter the promised land. For 18 months now, we have been scoping out the landscape, longing for the post-pandemic promised land to appear. But it seems like around every new corner, we find fortified cities and powerful enemies. Waves, lockdowns, variants, breakthroughs. Many of us find ourselves battling new levels of fear and anxiety and other emotions that feel unfamiliar to us. Everything from anger to apathy, despair to disillusionment. Some of our relationships have been pushed to the limit and others even further. Friends, family, coworkers, and even strangers who we seem to be feeling so much more animosity toward than we ever have before. Animosity is an army and fear is a fortified city. There are just so many things that can distract us from the life that God is calling us to live. Some of us are so sick of it all that we could probably be convinced to sell our birth rate for just a day or two of normalcy. Others of us have settled into this desert life and are maybe a little more content than we ought to be with everything that's been lost along the way, which is why now more than ever, we need strength and courage because this has been an absolutely exhausting 18 months, and the journey is far from over. 
A pastor and author named Erwin McManus once wrote that our courage directly affects the speed at which the future unfolds. Now, there's something wise about the statement, but there's a little bit of a caution in there, I think, too. I saw this commercial on TV recently. Maybe you've seen it, a new one for McDonald's. This guy, he's kind of singing this song, and he's kind of lamenting about how he had uh, hasn't seen his friends, and they've been so distant, and he's kind of singing the song about it, and at the end of the commercial, he talks about, go ahead and steal my fries, and his friend sits down at his table across from him, reaches across, grabs his fries, and puts them in his mouth, and they're like, yeah, it's like, it's like we've had a real rough time, but now we're finally back at the place where we can share food with one another again, and when I first saw this commercial, I was like, what? Like, sorry, guys, the pandemic is not over here. I'm not sure we should be, like, dipping into the plates of our friends across the table quite yet. So yes, in a sense, courage will help the future to unfold a little faster, but we have to understand that we can't force what we ultimately hope for to arrive. We can't force it to happen. But by faith, we can invite God to open new doors and new opportunities in the meantime. There is a lot of living to do if we can only muster up the courage. Now for the Israelites, a lack of courage led to 40 years of wandering. But by the time Moses' funeral was over, God is ready to give his people another chance. We read in Joshua 1, verse 5, the words of God. No one will be able to stand up to you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. These comforting words from God lay the groundwork for the lofty challenge that follows, and they should be the foundation for every one of our challenges as well. How different might our exhausting days be if we carried this reminder around with us, like the disposable masks that we find in our purses and backpacks and glove compartments all over the place, if these words were kind of always with us? Actually, maybe every time we grabbed for one of those masks when we were going into a store or connecting with someone, maybe we would say those words as a reminder, I will be with you, I will never leave you nor forsake you, this constant reminder of God's presence with us. You see, knowing what we do about the first time that God called the Israelites to scope out the promised land, the next part of what he says to Joshua shouldn't really come as a surprise. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and very courageous. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. I love the idea of being commanded to being strong and courageous. It made me think of a conversation we had around the dinner table a couple weeks ago. Uh, the kids have this, this thing where they, they kind of love making fun of my parenting during their early years. So they, they'll remember something kind of humorous from their childhood and they'll, they'll tell us what they remember of it. And so they say, oh, look, one of the best was like when we would call out in the middle of the night. So they'll be like, mommy, daddy. And they said, we, we always, it was like, who's going to come over to a room? And we always hoped it would be mom. And so Jude gets up and he does this like impression. He's like, this is dad in the middle of the night when I call out for help, when I'm scared from a nightmare. Dad comes into the room and quick as he can, he tucks in all the covers and then he gives me a little pat and says, it's okay, back to sleep now. And off out of the room he goes. And I'm like, okay, maybe a little bit of exaggerated. But then he says, but when mom came in the room, she would come over, pull the covers down, crawl right under and cuddle up against us and just fall asleep and we just felt so safe. And I'm like, okay, first of all, I think when it comes to parenting, probably both approaches have some merit over the long run. Uh, but anyways, there's something about, I guess what I was trying to say was, 
Kids, just be strong and courageous. So there's something about that. I believe that God chooses words like these, be strong and courageous, because we can't face the unknown future without them. We need this if we're going to walk ahead in faith. A Canadian leadership author named Drew Dudley writes that confidence is acting like something doesn't scare you. Courage is doing something that does scare you. You can have confidence without action, but courage is only demonstrated through action. And so a question I would pose to you, what action might you need to make to move forward to where God is leading you? So it's back to school season, and for the Mallow family, part of what that means was helping to move Owen into his house in Hamilton. He's starting his fourth year in university, and so I drove him down there. I was really excited about how perfectly the mattresses fit in the back of the van. We packed all his stuff in there, dropped him off. Um, but when I, when I got home, he had texted me to say thank you, and this is what he wrote in his text. He says, thanks for helping me relocate. Won't use the word move, because this is quite temporary. And I thought that was interesting. He was just realizing this is just a temporary home for me during the season of life. When God brought the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt, it was a relocation. The wilderness was never intended to be their home, and God was once again calling them onward. Now, the second chapter of Joshua begins with a secret mission, like the, much like the first one a generation earlier. Some spies were sent out to scope out the land to see if they could finally enter the promised land. When they came back, their report was much different than the ones that we read about from Numbers. The Lord has surely given the whole land into our hands. All the people are melting in fear because of us. This time, it's not the Israelites who are paralyzed with fear. Now, Joshua begins to make some final preparations to lead the Israelites into the promised land that the generation before him had been so terrified to enter. Now, an interesting note, it's a bit of an aside, but this struck me when I was reading this story, and I think it's worth mentioning given our own circumstances. Three of the 12 tribes would actually put their roots down east of the Jordan River, so they didn't have to go into any battle for their land. But they were still required to send fighting men along with the others. Only after everyone in the nation had claimed their new territory would these tribes be allowed to occupy their own land. So I was thinking about us. Maybe you're doing well these days. Maybe you're safe. Maybe you're comfortable. Maybe you're healthy. Great. Strap on some armor and go fight alongside someone else who might be struggling a little more than you right now. Whatever the future holds for you, whatever it holds for us as a community, it will be held together by the one who is always and ever calling us onward in faith. Richard Rohr writes that living in a transitional age such as ours is scary. Things are falling apart. The future is unknowable. So much doesn't cohere or make sense. Our uncertainty is the doorway into mystery, the doorway into surrender, the path to God that Jesus called faith. The strength that we need to move forward in faith is not our own strength, which is just another word for weakness, but a strength that is rooted in God's promised faithfulness and in the resurrecting power of Jesus flowing in us through the Holy Spirit. As the proverb says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. So instead of being intimidated by the fortified walls and the powerful armies out there around us, let's remember that our God is a strong tower. And so we can take the fear, the anxiety, the anger, the apathy, the despair, the disillusionment, 
the animosity, we can take it all to that strong tower and lay it at God's feet. Now, for 20 years, we have been pursuing a life of faith together at Elevation. We've been inviting others to journey with us as we strive to live in the way of Jesus here in KW and beyond. That first Sunday morning that we gathered as Elevation, one of the discussion questions read this way. I'm going to read it now, and it'll be part of our post-service discussion this week as well. Do people seem to turn toward God and spiritual things during tough times, or do they seem to turn away from him? It was an important question to ask in the wake of 9-11, and it's an important question for us to ask as this pandemic continues. Do these difficult times draw us closer to God, or do we find ourselves drifting further away? 1 Peter 1.7, the Bible says, Trials have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. In just a moment, we're going to break for some post-service discussion, and I'll invite you to join on the links that you've been gathering with your neighbors group. If you're joining us for the first time, there'll be a link in the comment section, and you can join that group. For now, I'd like to close our time in prayer. Lord, my prayer for Elevation this morning is that we head into the next 20 years of our life together, that you would do even greater things than you've done in these first 20. And at this particular moment in history, I pray for strength and courage. Strength and courage for us as a church, strength and courage for us as individuals, as families. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would empower us to walk forward in faith. And whatever things that we see out there that intimidate us or distract us or get in the way, whatever things are preventing us from pursuing what you are calling us to, I ask that you would remind us that you are with us, that you will never forsake us. And that with this knowledge and this understanding and this awareness of your presence, we would be able to go into new and exciting places in Jesus' name. Amen. Peace to you.